So about two years into our marriage, Robin and I were living in central Oregon and her younger brother, Jeff, who was a college student at the time, wanted to come out and spend the summer with us. So he came out, spent the summer locking our keys in our cars, leaving our hose running outside all day long. Love you, Jeff. You're so good at details. <laughs> Anyways, he wanted to explore the Pacific Northwest. So about halfway through the summer, he comes to us and proposes this adventure that he had been researching to a place called Cougar Springs, just outside of Eugene, Oregon, which should have been my first clue that I was in for quite an experience. Uh, it's about a two-mile hike off a Forest Service road, five or six cascading natural hot spring water pools. So we pack up, we drive out, we hike in, and I will never forget that moment that we came around the last corner and had our initial view of Cougar Springs because it is unforgettable. I just remember looking at Jeff thinking, oh my goodness, why am I surprised? Like, you're not good at details because apparently Jeff didn't notice the note in his research that the expected attire for Cougar Springs was the birthday suit. And so I'm looking at Jeff like, where have you taken us? I can't unsee that. And beyond all of that, I'm thinking to myself, I do not belong here. <laughs> so listen, while we look back at the Cougar Springs story and laugh, in reality, beneath the surface of my sense of not belonging at Cougar Springs, there's something incredibly true. And this is going to get real deep, real fast. We haven't even sung our first song yet, but, but here's the deal. Identity. How I see myself means everything when it comes to where I feel like I will belong. Spoiler alert, at the top of Jesus's to-do list, convince all of humanity that they belong with me. Step one, transform the way they see themselves. And how exactly Jesus goes about doing that? Well, that's what we're talking about today. Look, Jesus lived and spoke very intentionally at every turn, living and speaking with the transformation of the way we see ourselves in mind. His hopes and his dreams, dreams wrapped up in us, the possibility that one day we might see ourselves the way he sees us, that we might sing songs like the song we're about ready to sing, a song that is powerful because it, 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 it admits that, look, we need something outside of ourselves, a fixed, unchanging point of reference to shape and mold our identities and the way we see ourselves. It's a song that confesses, look, while I, while I have the right to say I am who I say that I am, there's tremendous power and glory and goodness and life in coming before God and saying, look, I am who you say that I am. So let's sing it together. So while I may not belong at Cougar Springs, I absolutely belong here in the gym. Doesn't matter which gym. The gym could be anywhere. It could be a gym that's way over that way or a gym that's way over that way. Doesn't matter. Uh, any gym, I belong in the gym. I've been in gyms since middle school, training for sports my whole life. So I know all the drills. I know, I know the, the weights and the bars and the boxes and the dumbbells. I know the jargon. I know what it means to superset cleans and, and good mornings. And I've got the clothes for the gym. So I feel like I really belong in a gym. But 
Is that what it really means to belong in a gym? You think about that. If that's true, if that's the definition for belonging, then immediately the gym becomes incredibly exclusive. A huge percentage of the population is excluded. So I wonder this. What if what it actually means to belong in a gym is something completely different? What if I don't belong in a gym because I know the moves and the jargon and I've got the clothes, but I belong in a gym because I've got a body that needs to be worked, because I have sweat glands that need to sweat, because I have a brain that needs to be flooded with the endorphins that flood my brain when I am working the bod. Look, if that's the definition, then it changes everything, because it's not hit or miss. Do you have the clothes or do you know the jargon or do you know the drills? And it's not, it's exclusive, but it's incredibly inclusive because the reality is we all have bodies that need to be challenged and sweat glands that need to sweat and, and brains that need to be flooded with endorphins. And that definition of belonging is incredibly inclusive. We all belong in the gym. Every single one of us, according to that definition. And so, so, If you asked Jesus what it means to belong with him, he would give you a definition that is very similar to the second inclusive definition for what it means to belong in a gym. So Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 15. If you know me, you know I'm obsessed with this passage and and what Jesus says here in response to a, a trap that he was put in. And in it, we find Jesus's definition for what it means to belong with him. Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse, teen, verse uh, 15, the text says this, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. So side note, the Pharisees and the Herodians agreed basically on one thing, that Jesus was annoying, that Jesus was a problem, that he was getting in the way. They were frustrated with the incredible levels of influence that Jesus had garnered in their city and in their countryside in a short order. They didn't like the fact that crowds were following Jesus everywhere. And they're like, we need to take this man down a notch. So they're like, hey, Let's catch him. Let's catch him in a trap. Let's ask him a question about a hotly contested issue that regards national allegiance. Let's have him stumble over his words and it'll take him down a notch. So, so, so that's what they were doing. The story continues. Verse 16 says this. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? And I'm reading this and I'm like, you smug, arrogant punks. Like, and and I'm reading this with like an allegiance to Jesus. Like Jesus needs me to have his back or to be angry on his behalf, which he doesn't, as we'll see in his response. He's ready for this. Uh, He says, he says this, but Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin that is used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went 
away. Why were they amazed? Really, really two things Jesus says here that were amazing. One, look, if you want to know where something belongs, look whose face is on it. If Caesar's face is on that coin, it belongs with him. Look, if, if your face is on this ID card, it belongs with you. I'm actually reminded of an episode of The Office when Jim is in the break room. He's drinking coffee out of a mug that has Andy's face on it. And Andy comes into the break room. He's like, dude, that's my mug. And Jim says, no, it's not. Andy says, yes, that is my mug. Jim says, well, how do you know? And Andy says, because my face is on it. If my face is on it, it belongs with me. It's mine. Look, if, if my wife Robin and my daughter Kendall walked into the room, you would know immediately that Kendall belongs with Robin because that same gorgeous face is on both of them. And Jesus says, if you want to know where something belongs, look no farther than the face that's on it, the image that it bears. That's one. Two, Jesus says, give to God what is God's. In other words, whatever has God's image on it, it belongs with God. And in saying this, Jesus references like Genesis language that his audience would be incredibly familiar with. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And when Jesus references this language, he very directly communicates to his listeners You belong with me. You belong with me and God. You belong with us because our image is on you. This is a central claim of Christianity, everybody. And it's actually how the world became introduced with the idea of universal human worth and value. This idea that each and every human on the planet is something far bigger and greater and more special than a random coagulation of cellular material. But every human is imprinted with the divine. Every human bears the image of almighty God. And every human carries with it the worth that comes with being an image bearer of God. John chapter 1, verse 11 says this, Jesus came to that which was his own. Mark chapter 6, all Jesus wanted to do was take a break. His disciples were tired. He was tired. But a huge crowd had gathered. It was getting late and they were hungry. His disciples are like, hey, Jesus, they belong at home where there's food. Jesus says, nope. My face is on them. They belong here with me. And he fed them. Luke chapter 19, Jesus was passing through Jericho. One guy named Zacchaeus who who wasn't sure he belonged with Jesus, but he knew he didn't belong with his people and he knew he didn't belong with Rome. He was a, he was a Jewish person, person, but he was a tax collector. Uh, but he was interested. He was curious. He climbed up a tree. Jesus comes to him and says, hey, you don't belong in the tree. Hey, you don't belong in this life of cheating your fellow Jews out of extra taxes My face is on you. You belong with me. Come on, let's go have a meal. You belong with me. My image is on you. Mark chapter 10. All these people are bringing their little children to Jesus. The disciples get annoyed with the little children and they start shooing the little children away. Hey, you don't belong here with Jesus. Jesus is like, hey, are you kidding me? You guys don't get it. Like they belong with me the most. (laughs) Look at their faces. And Jesus is, is absolutely adamant. Story after story after story, accounts of Jesus's life. He is in relentless pursuit of humanity, will not rest until he's accomplished 
the top item on his to-do list, convince all of humanity that they belong with me. Step one, transform the way people see themselves. Did you know that you bear the image of me, of Almighty God? That's Jesus saying, not me. But do you know who you are? Do you know whose image you bear? Do you know your worth? Do you know where you belong? It's with me. That's Jesus's top objective. Luke, uh, Luke, Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells three consecutive parables, a lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son. And the idea is the same across all of them. When 100 out of 100 of the sheep who belong with me are with me where they belong, I'll rest. When 10 out of 10 of the coins that belong with me are with me, I'll rest. When all of my children are with me where they belong, every single one who bears my image are with me, I will rest. Look, we actually have something incredibly exciting to talk about today and share with you. And it's that because of your radical generosity, the, the Grace Home Project with CRI has been completed. The ribbon has been cut. And it's a beautiful thing because today we're talking about belonging. We're talking about all God's children. We're talking about how, you know, the sheep belong and the coins belong and, and the children belong. And look, six of God's children are, have, have a home where they actually belong. And it's an incredible thing. We, we took some video footage this week. We want to show it to you. Check this out. Hey, Grace. Anna and I are here in the brand new Grace home that you built, and it is awesome. And we're basically here just to say a huge thank you and to show you a little bit of what the Grace home looks like. Easter 2019, we started a capital campaign, not to build a building for grace, but to build a better community. And all of you guys just jumped on board. And now six residents will live here in a home especially designed for them that gives them independence, that gives them respect and dignity. And you guys did it. And Anna has poured herself into this. And so Anna, what would you like to say to everybody? Uh, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to every single one of you that supported us, not just financially, but you guys supported us with prayers, words of encouragement throughout this whole journey. Uh, but most of all, I want to thank you for sending the message that we were trying to send with the Grace Home. And this message is that these six residents that are going to live here, they belong, not just in this house, but they belong in our community. Uh, we're sending the message that we see them, we love them, and we want to be part of their lives. So thank you so much, so much for pouring out your heart into this project and supporting us and loving our neighbors like you're doing. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today as we celebrate the grand opening and the ribbon cutting for the Grace Home. We appreciate all of you joining us today for this celebration. It's an unusual time as we're doing this virtually. So thank you for tuning in and participating in the groundbreaking and ribbon-cutting ceremony for the Grace Home. This home will provide services and supports for six individuals. This home now will be accessible, has an elevator, accessible bathrooms. This will allow the six individuals who live in an older home in Arlington who have been together for many years to remain as a family and to continue to support one another. And we thank you, the Grace community, the CRI community, we thank you for your support. When Grace Community Church reached out to CRI, we had no idea the partnership that would blossom uh, as we embarked upon building the Grace Home. Um, 
it's really special to me because Arlington has always been an area of support for CRI. We began uh, in Arlington with a group of community members coming together, just like Grace Community Church, to help people in need. And to begin this partnership and follow along through this partnership and build this partnership over the last couple of years, it's meant so much to see the Arlington community and Grace Community Church coming together to support people uh, with mental health needs and developmental disabilities. It's especially wonderful that this is happening during our 45th anniversary. Uh, you all have shared your time, your talent, your treasure with us, and we are so incredibly grateful, especially during a time that's so challenging for many. And we look forward to many, many more wonderful years of partnership and um, getting to know as many of you as possible. Thank you, thank you so much. I've been thinking a lot about the word grace recently. And grace is a word that has many meanings. Grace can mean elegance, can mean goodwill. And most importantly, it can mean to honor. And what Grace Community Church has done here is encompass all of the definitions of the word grace. This home provides an elegant backdrop for folks who we serve at CRI to live. There's goodwill in the donations and the caring touch that has been provided in this home. And this home honors our clients at CRI in a way that provides integrity, it provides hope, and it provides a place for grace. And with all of that in mind, it is the true embodiment of Grace Community Church so from all of us at CRI, we thank you for your grace, and we appreciate all of the demonstration of grace. Well, that home is amazing. The, the themed bedrooms, accessibility at every turn, it's so much more than a roof over heads. Like this place screams, you belong here. It's amazing, I love it. So to be totally honest, in preparing for this message, when I got to this point, I struggled. And what I realized was that I was, I was trying to, I kept trying to complicate this message. I wanted to continue to push the metaphor of the gym. I wanted to talk about how, well, yeah, okay, so we get it. Like everybody belongs in the gym for, for the right reasons, but does everybody have access? And I wanted to talk about access and how it's, it's Jesus who gives us access to the place we belong the most. And it's Jesus who gives us access to the transformation that can happen where we belong. And, uh, and I wanted to do that. And then I wanted to push the, the metaphor of the trainer and the gym owner and, and talk about the good trainer and how the good trainer requires us to bring all of our muscles into the gym. A good trainer um, is, is not okay with us just bring, bringing part of ourselves. Uh, and I wanted to make a joke about how, you know, friends don't let friends skip leg day and, and talk about Jesus as a good trainer and, and Jesus wants us to bring all of our being into where we belong with him and relationship with him so that he can transform every part of us. But every time in, in preparation, every time I went down one of those roads, this incredibly uneasy feeling came over me. And in the midst of it, there was this like whisper and it was Jesus was like <laughs> whispering in my ear, Matt, like don't complicate this. 
Like I have one thing I want to remind my children of this morning and it's that they belong with me. And I want to remind them why they belong with me. Jesus said, look, at the top of my to-do list, convince all of humanity they belong with me. Step one, transform the way they see themselves. Look, Jesus lived and, and, I, and, I, want to, and I want to read this part because I, I love the way that I have it written. I don't want to mess it up. Jesus's entire life, death and resurrection was lived, died and resurrected so that we would be convinced we belong with him now and forever. Because if we don't understand the nature of our belonging, we don't understand Jesus. And, and if we don't understand, and we won't understand who we are and why we're alive, we won't understand the good news that is Jesus Christ. And we'll spend our entire lives believing we don't belong in the place we belong most. So just two stories. And, and, and the hope is that we just grab hold of the goodness of Jesus as he makes claims on our lives that we belong with him. Uh, the first one is a story I told at West Falls Church on Christmas Eve, but I'm going to tell it again. Look, if Derek can tell the dishwasher story five times, I can tell this story twice. But uh, it was in my first year teaching in D.C. public schools, and the district had decided to launch this clean eating initiative. They wanted to convince the students that vegetables were good. So they brought in all these guest speakers, these celebrities, and they, hold, they held assemblies in the schools. And so... Our student body was gathered in the auditorium and our principal introduced this ex-NBA basketball player to come and speak to our kids about the goodness of vegetables and clean eating. And I remember he came on the stage, this NBA basketball player came on the stage and he began with just trying to build rapport with the students. And, you know, he was complimenting the city. I love D.C. D.C. was one of my favorite places to visit when my team would travel here and we would play ball. And he was just kind of like buttering them up a little bit. And he was kind of like insinuating certain things about the fun he had here in D.C. and the good times he had here in D.C. and how hospitable D.C. was. And so I'll never forget this. Right before he launched into his diatribe on the goodness of vegetables, he stopped and he confessed this to the entire student body. He said, to be honest, I was a little nervous about coming here today but I think I'm good because I'm looking out at you and I don't see anybody who looks like me. And then he laughed and he chuckled. He was like, oh, isn't that funny? And, and surprisingly, like a bunch of the students were laughing too because they thought it was funny. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure that was funny because in other words, he, he's saying, look, I had so much fun here in D.C., People in D.C. were so hospitable to me that I was nervous that as a result of the fun I had here in the past, I was going to look out and see somebody with my face on them. Like there was somebody out there who I might have to take responsibility for because my face is on them. They, they might belong with me because my face is on them as a result of the fun I had here with the hospitable people, the hospitable women here in D.C. And, and, and as I was understanding what he was saying, this fury started to rise up inside of me like this is absolutely not funny like it's not funny to joke around about fatherlessness or absentee fatherhood it's not funny to joke around about the fact that somebody in this room may have spent the the last 12 years of their life wondering where their face came from and then you contrast that with the goodness of Jesus who shows up in a world full of his children 
whose lives are messy, whose, whose relationships are disordered, desires are erratic, they're all over the place. And he says, look, no, you, you need to know this. You belong with me. Uh, look, I've worked with several students over the years who actually had no idea where their face came from. They had never met their dad or they had never met their parents or for whatever reason, they just, they just didn't know. And they're, they're brilliant and they're resilient and they're amazing students. But without fail, when I sit down to talk with them about life, one of the things that inevitably that they, they share with me is something along the lines of this, like Komar, like, <clears throat> I just feel like there's a big part of me that's missing. Like there's important information about who I am and, and where I belong that's just like out there that I don't have. And the reality is this, our soul needs to know where we belong. Our soul needs to know where we belong now and forever. And while yes, like we deal with absentee fatherhood and, and people joke around about, oh, I'm, I'm glad my face isn't on you so I don't have to take responsibility for you and you don't belong with me. Like how good of Jesus to provide for the needs of our soul, our soul that needs to know where it belongs for him to say, look, you belong with me and your face is your first clue because you're a bearer of my image. Second story. It revolves around another great need of our soul. Our soul needs to know its value. It needs to know its worth. And a little while back, one of our high school leaders actually shared this, this post on Instagram. And I wanted to share it with you because it's so powerful. It's this uh, picture of an old car, a dusty car. It's in a garage. There's like stuff on it. It, looks, it just looks terrible. And, uh, and in the post, the caption of the photo says this. I want to read this to you. A father said to his daughter, you graduated with honors. Here is a car that I acquired many years ago. It is several years old, but before I give it to you, take it to the used car lot downtown and tell them I want to sell it and see how much they offer you. The daughter went to the used car lot, returned to her father and said, they offered me a thousand dollars because it looks very worn out. The father said, take it to the pawn shop. The daughter went to the pawn shop, returned to her father and said, the pawn shop offered a hundred dollars because it was a very old car. Then the father asked his daughter to go to a car club and show them the car. The daughter took the car to the club, returned and told her father, some people in the club offered me $100,000 since it is a Nissan Skyline R34, an iconic car and sought after by many. And the father said this to the daughter, I needed you to know that the right place values you the right way. Never stay in a place where no one sees your value. Why did, why did people stay with Jesus? Why did crowds follow Jesus wherever he went? Why did it appear at times, as the religious leaders who opposed Jesus put it, that the whole world was going after Jesus? Why did people stay with Jesus? Amidst all the persecution, the mocking, the, the trials, the difficulty, why did they stay with Jesus? Because their soul knew something that Jesus was reminding them of, that Jesus is home for their soul. 
Jesus, with Jesus is where we belong. We are image bearers of Jesus, almighty God himself. And it is he who values our lives appropriately because you always know how much something is worth to somebody based on what they're willing to endure to have it. And Jesus allowed the world to watch what he was willing to endure so that we might be where we belong with him. Jesus says, you belong with me. Your face knows it. Your soul can sense it. Look, for those of us who have grown up in church, and we feel like we belong in church. I want to challenge you. Like reconnect with why you belong with Jesus for real. Because it's not because you know the prayers or you know the words of the song or you, you can speak the language or you know the, 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 you got the clothes. And it's not because your life is ordered a certain way or your relationships are ordered a certain way or your finances are ordered a certain way. Look, you can have all of those things in place and Jesus can still be like, but are you with me? Does your soul find rest with me? Do you delight in the time that you spend with me? Look, reconnect with the truth that the real reason we belong with Jesus, that Jesus is where we belong is because we are image bearers of God. For those of you who haven't grown up in church and, and maybe you are saying, look, I want to believe, but I'm not sure I'd belong. I just want to challenge you to wrestle with Jesus's claims that, that you do absolutely belong with him, that he, that with him is where you belong because you are actually an image bearer of him, that you are not just a, a random coagulation of genetic material, but you are imprinted with the divine, with the divine and your soul needs to know it. Your soul needs to know where it belongs now and forever. And Jesus says, with me is where you belong now and forever. Will you pray with me? Lord, words may fail us. So we ask your spirit to move in our hearts and awaken us to this truth that with you is where we belong now and forever. And we belong with you because we bear your image. Lord, help our souls to know it and feel it and sense it so that we can live life in the confidence of being right where we belong with you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your pursuit of us, for the work that you put in to, to share these truths, to live these truths. We love you, but we know that it's just because you loved us first. In Jesus' name, amen.